Northwestern Review, Indiana Preview, and we talk some more CFP. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 50, lucky number episode 50, and we are coming to you straight after a really, really ugly 21-7 win over those Northwestern Wildcats this past Saturday. And and I got to tell you, Davis, I, I'm not feeling too great about this victory, man. How, how do you feel? I feel fantastic. Um, I think it was probably the best thing that could have happened to us, and we should probably be ranked number one. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, except <laughs> I am. that I can. Okay, <laughs> Dude, listen, I'm usually the positive person, but that was hot garbage. Okay, can we at least be honest? That was hot garbage. Um, I know this is an Ohio State uh, fan podcast, and I'm usually the positive one, but I'm going to go off the rails that that was extremely depressing. Uh, we finally got to watch a game together for the first time in probably over a year. Uh, we had a great pregame live show that we did. Well, not a show, but like a live appearance on our Facebook page. And thank you for those of you that kind of got on the, there with us and did, you know, answer, uh, asked some questions and made it interactive. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, but it was awesome. We were dead wrong. And I think I definitely underestimated the effect the weather would have. But that's no excuse for some of the performances that I saw in that game, which I know we're going to get into. So. My initial reaction was I was extremely disappointed this weekend. Me too, man. And you know what? It was kind of on both sides of the ball for me, too. I mean, kind of upset about the play calling. I was upset that Ryan Day didn't have a better game plan for this kind of situation. I was upset that our offensive line got trounced again for the third week in a row. I was upset that our defense didn't play a little bit, you know, tighter on these guys knowing the fact that nobody was going to complete uh passes this weekend that they were going to try to run it just like we were yet we still couldn't defend it correctly i mean we gave that first drive was just ridiculous dude that the, the first score that they had there well the only score that they had but the first score that they had there was ridiculous man i just feel like all all around a terrible performance all around a terrible coaching job i i just it, it makes me have doubts about this team going forward We're getting into the latter part of November here. Big games, big time implications for everything we're doing. And we come out looking like crap. And we haven't just looked like crap for this week, man. It's been it's been a couple week process here. So it's really got me worried going into, you know, the next couple weeks, especially, dude, knowing in in three weeks here, we got the team up north. So let me let me at least do this. okay? obviously, I'm the positive one and I am going to take some positives out of this. okay? But I'm not going to sit here and, you know, blow smoke up your ass and sit here and tell you that that was, you know, a solid performance or even a decent performance. Okay. Was the weather worse than anticipated? Absolutely. Um, Was the weather a factor in that game? Absolutely. And did that help to further identify what our glaring weakness is? Absolutely. And our glaring weakness is our offensive line. Uh, since we came back from the bye week against Iowa, Penn State, and Northwestern, our offensive line has gotten abused in the run game. 
I do give them props that they do great at uh, pass uh, pass blocking, but their run blocking is not great. Uh, Matt Jones, uh, I know, has been especially bad on the line on a handful of times. Now, I do understand that he has a, a nagging foot injury. Uh, from my recollection, I believe I saw that he's currently wearing a bigger shoe on that foot to try to accommodate that. But, dude, if that's such a liability, why are we not putting someone else in that spot that's 100%? I mean, is Matt Jones injured better than who is up next, which I I believe is Vamahi, the next offensive lineman that we can put in that spot? And is it just one singular person, or is this a schematic issue? I know we do uh, a lot of, I think, what's called zone blocking concepts where – the offensive line tries to work more as a unit when they're doing the run blocks instead of just picking out a particular person that they're trying to to block in the run game. And then it's up to, to uh, the running back, whether it's mine or Trey, Vion Henderson, to pick the holes, pick the spots, and then shoot the gap and go. Uh, I don't know if it's a schematic issue, if it's an individual issue, if it's a, you know, they're not meshing as much as a whole, but it definitely seems like there's been regression. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that we played the toughest teams the first six games of the year. And over the last three, uh, three games, mainly Iowa and Penn State, we have played tougher defenses. So I can give them a little bit of leeway that they played tougher defenses, but Northwestern stuffing our run game as much as they did. I mean, I understand that Northwestern knew we had to run the ball, that passing was almost completely out of the question with that wind. But you're Ohio State. You need to be manning up and knocking people off the ball, and we should have been getting a hell of a lot more um, at the line of scrimmage than what we were getting. So that was a big, glaring issue, but there are still positives to take out of this game. And I know that you are more negative than I am, but I'm being I'm being awfully negative right now. So I know we're switching roles a little, but you know, some positives we positives we can take out of this game is that we finally saw CJ Stroud run the ball. And he had uh, at least one specifically designed run, and then he had a couple of the read options where he actually kept it. And one of them resulted in almost a 40 yard plus touchdown run. He got it down to about the three yard line, and we ended up punching it in. That right there opens up the running game so much moving forward if that finally gets utilized. Plus, these teams now have to start accounting for that possibility. And when you don't have everyone just crashing down and putting 7-8 in the box, and you have that possibility there, that's going to open things up. And we've been talking about that you know, since the, the beginning of last year. If we but can it, it finally really start incorporating that. Well, it pisses it, it, me off because... It, it's pissed me off too. But why have we not done it then? If it's because there, Ryan Day has clearly told him not to run. It's He's made it apparent. Ryan Day's even admitted he doesn't want him running that much. But I well, believe... extremely we, inhibited our, you know, our ability to... Because I guess, I don't know if in Ryan Day's head he thinks that we're just good enough to go out there and throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns on every team we play, but that's just not the way it is, man. This is big-time college football. We, we can't do that versus everybody. Well, that's not realistic when you play in the Big Ten in late October and November. I mean, you cannot guarantee, like, you know, it, it's a mixture of that and the fact that, okay, so we're coming back to this whole conversation where Ryan Day, you know, got his manhood um, tested at the end of last year and kept getting called out for his team being soft, right? So I'll give the defense credit. The defense doesn't really play soft. Now, they've had a few moments but overall, I feel a lot pretty confident in the defense. I'm not as uh, hard on them on this game as you probably were. 
But I do still agree that we needed to be better defensively, but we still are pretty solid defensively. And I saw some guys that were laying the lumber this weekend. The toughness comes with the offensive line, man. And I know we have the dudes on the line, four and five stars, that can match up with almost anyone in the country. I just don't understand why they're just getting pushed around like ragdolls. Like, it makes no sense. It's effort. Well, it could be effort. It could be the scheme where they're not in the right position. It could be technique. Uh, it could be a mindset. But it's it's crazy how even Ryan Day, and I'm sorry, but Ryan Day said some stuff in this press conference that made him look weak. He blamed the weather so much. And not once did he say that he should have battled, you know, adjusted more to the elements and they should have tough. Like everything he did was blame. Wow, that was worse than we thought it was. That was like going to a dentist appointment. Like all he did was make excuses. And this is not the Ryan Day that I thought was going to be showing up this year. Now, this is still a small sample size, so I'll still hold some of my um, my evaluation uh, to over the next handful of weeks to see if we actually progress back to what I knew we started with at the beginning of the year. But I definitely do not feel the same confidence level that I did prior to the last handful of weeks. Yeah, I don't either. Obviously, nobody nobody's questioning Ryan's football IQ. Nobody's questioning the fact that he's a great offensive mind. I just wonder, you know, can he coach toughness? Is toughness something that he can coach? Can he get these players to rise up? Because to me, you're Ohio State. You're 8-0 with a chance to go 9-0, a couple of games away from playing Michigan, a couple of games away from a Big Ten championship, and a couple of games away from trying to play for a natty. Why should you have to get anybody up for that? What's the deal? What is the issue? I don't understand that. And it's not because it's been like, oh, well, one week we've been like this. No, we've had this conversation several times about when it looks like there's lack of effort. And it looks that way right now. It makes me, God, I'm going to get pissed because I'm telling you right now. You mean you're going to? Yeah, you're not pissed already? (laughs) There's no excuse for that at the Ohio State University. You are four and five star recruits. you, You have the best coaching, the best facilities the best everything that there is. There's no reason that you shouldn't be out there against a one and seven Northwestern team and just absolutely trounce them. I don't give a shit if the wind was blowing. I don't give a, I don't care if tremors were coming from underneath the football field. We should have looked better than that on Saturday. And I, like I said, I'm upset about it. And I'm, and I'm worried about what this team's going to look like going forward. I mean, how, can you bounce back from that? And in, in, in that instance as well, we don't really have Quality opponents left until we put face Michigan, Indiana Rutgers. I mean, that's great. We can tune some stuff up, but really, what are you tuning against teams like that? You know, when we come out against Michigan, it's going to be a totally different ball game. And right now, dude, I'm for the first time this season, I'm worried about Michigan. And that, listen, that's a good point. And I think uh, the real question here is, is what we're seeing over the last three weeks telling of what our offensive line is really is. Was the first six games more mirage based upon uh, like the the people the teams we were playing against? Uh, were we in a rhythm then? Are we out of a rhythm now? Is this more a tale of what we're capable of uh, or what we're expecting to see? But I know if that's the product that we put on the field against the team up north, we're gonna get beat. Like I- I'll be the first person to tell you that's gonna be a long day in Columbus if we put that same performance on the field. Um, I wish I could sit here and tell you that that is something that is fixable over the next couple weeks. I'd like to think it is. Um, I'd like to think that they're capable of changing these. Um, Listen, I understand, dude. I've heard every excuse in a book. Okay, that was an 11 11 a.m. local time game. 
Uh, it was horrible weather. It was natural grass field, which makes it even slicker when it's wet. It was against a lesser opponent that it's hard to already get up for. Like, I get all those excuses, man. But you play once a week. You get, you know, 11 games over a regular season. Like, it's a short season, if you really think about it. Limited opportunities to get out there and perform. How do you practice all week and not get up for any game is what I don't understand. So is it really not getting up for the game, or is this a systemic issue that we're literally seeing with the team? Or even as let me ask you this: Do you think this is something that's fixable before the team up north um, in three weeks? I think you can improve on it, um, but you know, I, I guess I would have to fully understand exactly what the issue is. You know, because I think it's a combination of a lot of things, especially offensively, when you're talking about the running game and the offensive line. Um, so I, I think really I would have to understand exactly what the root of the problem was to give that answer. But I I do think it could be improved upon. But the question is, can it be improved upon enough to overcome Michigan, who I think, dude, has to be licking their chops looking at this tape right now. I mean, they have to be. You know, I, I, I know what they're thinking, the same thing they thought last year. They're probably going to try to run it right down our throat. I mean, I can, I, I can visualize it in my head, and that's what I'm worried about. So my question is, I, you know, I feel like Ohio State should take this as a challenge. Take this week as a lesson. Take it as a challenge. But you should come out this Saturday versus Indiana and just absolutely give 150% and make everybody know it. I mean, that's what you have to do at this point. You have to set a precedence because right now we look down. And if I'm a team getting ready to play Ohio State, I'm licking my chops. If I'm George, I'm like, Ohio State, okay. You know what I mean? If I'm any of those guys like that, I mean, we look like an easy target right now, man. And that, that, that can't pass. That cannot fly. Because I'm telling you what, right now, if we, dude, if we lost the, oh my God, if we lost to Michigan, I, I don't know if you'd find me anymore. They'd be like, <laughs> what happened to Chad? You'd be like, I, yeah. I don't know. Like he didn't even take his wallet wherever he went. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> That's when you know it's serious if you leave yeah. your wallet behind. So oh. listen, I know we've been bashing this offense, okay? And there's no secret that uh, the running game struggled. I'm not blaming CJ Stroud for any of this because if you can even recall in that game i mean sure you really could not throw the ball in that wind and he still had 10 completions for 70 some yards and realistically should have had about 15 completions for probably over 150 yards yeah i mean how many drops did he have uh and he was even in that wind he was still throwing some dimes there now don't get me wrong he, he had some that got away from him as would be expected in that kind of weather but you know the offense, the the passing game and the receivers didn't really do the running game any favors. And we've established that we're the style of running team that we really need the passing game to work for that running game to open up, at least the way that we have been running the ball this year. And if we become one dimensional, so if we get another game over the next three weeks where it's a bad weather game, we could find ourselves in trouble again, unless the offensive line turns it around. Because I understand that we're not, we're not a dominant running team, but I still think we have potential we could be if this offensive line could get it fixed. You know, for a little while there, I was worried about the running backs, but, you know, really after watching this game, I mean, mine's half hurt. He's out there. He's pretty much by himself, and he still runs for over 100 yards without the offensive line doing him any favors. Like, mine actually had a hell of a game, you know, looking back at it. And I just... I don't know, man. That's just something that's got to get fixed. But I know I know we spend a lot of time on the offense, but the, I do want to make a comment about the defense. 
And I think this is the first time that I noticed that Jim Knowles didn't really make some good adjustments. I mean, given we give up seven points, we give up one scoring drive and that was pretty much it. But we, we still struggle to have answers for wildcat formations and running quarterback repeat. And, and in this situation, when you know the other team is going to run, why aren't you bringing more people up into the box? You know, and I know that he likes to, you know, disguise his formations and he runs a lot of things that are kind of, uh, you know, build around the safety and things like that. But dude, bring people up, man. Like there are too many times that on first down, they were getting five, six, seven yards. Now, did we do a good job of stopping them on um, fourth downs? Yeah, but they were still almost 50% on the third down conversions because they had short yardage to go. And when they're constantly running the ball and you know that, you had to bring people up. And that's the hard thing when you run a quarterback run or a wildcat is you have that one less defender that accounts for that extra person because then that the running back, if it's a wildcat, is going to be running as a lead blocker. If you have the quarterback running it, then you have the running back again as a lead blocker. That's an extra blocker. So bring more people up on the line. How is he not adjusting to that? I don't understand. Maybe they know something that I don't know. But that's what uh, it has to be, dude. That's the only sense I can make of it is that if they saw something or they know something that we don't, because other than that, I think we can all agree that it doesn't make sense. So it has to be something else. And I have to believe that as much money as these guys are making and as much football as they know, they probably, you know, woke up and forgot more football than I'll ever know that they have to know something we don't because they can't they cannot not be doing this or doing this on purpose. You know what I mean? And the other problem that I have is why in the hell is Michael Hall Jr. not on the field as much? I swear he's still getting like less than half the defensive snaps. Is there something going on that we're not aware of? Because he's clearly one of the best defensive linemen we have, one of the most disruptive ones we have. And I'm, I know they've said things like, you know, he's not the best in run defense. He's more of a rushing the quarterback, getting in the backfield. Dude. How could he not be effective in the run game in that same position? Like, why yeah. is Michael Hall Jr. not getting on? Like, you know, I maybe they're trying to save it for bigger games, but, dude, you need to get these players out there. You need to put the best players on the field. I, I heard a stat from another podcast uh, where they looked at, you know, wh- what about the best players on Alabama's defensive uh, line? You know, how much are they playing? And I, I know take that with a grain of salt this year with Alabama Stevens, but I'm just taking another big program. And I think it was even Will Anderson, who's probably one of the best defense players in the country, right? And out of their last game where they had like, I don't know, some 90-some plays on defense that they had to be uh, they had to be on the field, Will Anderson was on the field for like 87 of them. And why aren't you putting your best players on the field more often? Like, is this a, like, does he not have the gas? Does he not have the, the physical ability to be out there that long? Is this, uh, uh, what is the exact reason for this? I don't understand that. Why are we not putting our best defensive players on the field more often? I understand that we have a deeper defensive line, but listen, there's still a drop off between some of your really good guys and the next ones down. Why are we not putting the best guys on the field? You know, one of Ryan Day's strengths and also one of his weaknesses is that you'll never know that answer. You'll never know. Was it is it disciplinary? Is he half hurt? Is he you know, they don't see what we see. You'll never know that. And that's just the way he plays it, man. So close to the vest. It's funny, man. I used to make fun of Trestle all the time for that kind of stuff. But I think Ryan Day actually does it better than Trestle does it. 
I mean, just absolutely lets nothing out. No information at all. True politician, dude. But uh, well, well, when we were sitting there watching the game, we were talking about it, and I remember telling you, and I think you probably agreed with me. It felt like one of the worst wins we've ever watched. And it did. I was, I don't know, sitting there trying to tell you when's another time you can remember us winning a game that felt that bad. And not that we studied or tried to come up with anything, but is there anything you've had some time to think? Is there anything that even comes to your mind of last time you remember watching Ohio State win a game and it felt that horrible? No, I can't. I mean, I sat there and thought of a couple of close wins we had, especially. It takes me back to like the the 2002 championship year where like it was just complete madhouse, like throughout the year, right? We're like winning games by field goals, like coming from behind, like it was it was a crazy year, right? Holy Buckeye against Purdue, we almost lose to Cincinnati that year. Uh, Michigan was last second, which I give them credit that I mean that's that game always uh, at least back then was tight all the time, but yeah, I mean, but they still felt good in a way now because you know i, I feel, know why i've go ahead i think the reason why is the effort issue those games yeah we almost lost we made mistakes we did bad things we came from behind all this kind of stuff like that i get it and we ended up pulling out a victory and yeah it was probably exciting at the end you know to watch these things happen but you didn't get that feeling and you know exactly what feeling i'm talking about the same feeling you had versus Michigan last year, the same feeling you had on Saturday, where you just feel like we're just not playing like ourselves. We're not playing up to snuff. We feel like maybe there's an effort issue. You know, the play calling's bad. Like, all that stuff combined, dude, it makes you feel, you know, there's a difference between losing and winning and losing and winning when you're giving 100%. Now, do you think part of the reason why we feel that way, and I know a lot of Buckeye Nation feels this way is because we're also spoiled because we've had one of the best offenses in the country over the last handful of years. I mean, we're not the same offense we were in 2002, you know, so we're not used to always being in these 17 to 14, you know, 21, 17 style games. We're used to scoring on average over 40 points a game. So I feel like if we don't get to that level, then we feel like there's some major issue going on. Do you not feel like there's a little bit of being spoiled kind of mixed in with that too? A hundred percent. And don't get me wrong. There's games like this happen for a reason. You're not going to win every game 55 to 10. I get that. This is Big Ten football. You're going to win 13 to 10 sometimes, especially when the weather's bad. I get that. Things happen and, and you learn from them and you move on. And sometimes this actually works for you you know, in a way that you can, you know, you can move forward off of this and springboard off of this into something more positive and get some momentum going for the rest of the season. You kind of get the turret out of the punch bowl and continue on. But at the same point in time, yes, we're spoiled. We're absolutely spoiled. But we've been told by everybody for the last six months that this was going to be one of the most prolific offenses in Ohio State history. And you know what? It started off giving us the taste that way. And now that it's kind of backed off a little bit, yeah, there's some there's there's some regression there. And I think everybody's feeling it because when you when you get told you're something and then you start to show you're something and then you back off of it. Yeah, people are going to be like, hey, what the heck's going on? So obviously, I think, you know, it's funny because uh, I think Ohio State fans, the majority are actually very informed and realistic and I think we're harder on ourselves than probably what the national media would do. Now, I think that uh, the national media downplays us more 
and I think we are higher than them. But when we play bad, we're we're probably our own worst critic. And I think that might have showed a little bit with this most recent CFP rankings that came out. So the second edition came out today, Tuesday. So you may be listening to, to this another day, but we're recording on Tuesday. So the most recent one came out and we still held tight at number two. And I know we'll get to the top 10 real quick, but um, there was some talk and some chirping that, you know, Michigan should be ranked ahead of us. That is there a possibility another team could jump us? And, you know, I think it's a combination of I think people took more of the weather into consideration more than overanalyzing the game like we have, even though I don't think we're wrong. I do think that there are things within that that were problematic that had nothing to do with the weather. But I think overall um, we're not getting dinged as much nationally for that performance. Now, I think that also helps because there was a lot of chaos this past weekend. Tennessee goes down to Georgia. Uh, Clemson loses big at Notre Dame. And uh, Alabama loses for a second time. So there was a lot of things that I guess helped us nationally that happened that weekend that kind of helped us to go under the radar a little bit. So um, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just talk about the top 10 of this most recent CFP rankings and kind of give our reaction or anything that stood out. So at number 10 the, is Clemson at 8-1. and one. Nine is Alabama, 7-2. and two. Uh, Number eight is USC at 8-1. and one. Seven, LSU at 7-2. and two. Six, Oregon moving up to a couple spots there, 8-1. and one. Tennessee dropping back to the number five hole at 8-1. and one. And TCU finally moving up into that top four, unbeaten at 9-0. and oh. Michigan moving up a couple spots to number three at nine and zero. Us at nine and zero for number two and number one, of course, Georgia. So, give me your initial reaction to that top ten uh, for the second edition of the CFP rankings. I would say the top five is perfect. No, top six. The top six is perfect. That's exactly how I would have had it. Um, I really don't have any qualms about that. Um, and honestly, I really wouldn't have been mad if they'd have put Michigan in front of us. I wouldn't have been mad, especially after how we played this week. It's just part of my self-loathing process. Um, and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Me personally, I would have almost wanted to see that because I think Ohio State and some of those people in the locker room just need a little bit of reality check. And I feel like that would have helped light a fire under their butts. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, so I came up with this whole scenario I wanted to talk to you about during this thing. Um, I think the most interesting thing of this entire top 10 is LSU at number seven and because of what it sets up. How about you, man? You got any, you got any reaction to this before I unleash this wild man theory on you? I do, but I want to hear your theory first because I kind of have an idea where you're going to go with this LSU thing. And I think I have a pretty good rebuttal for it, but go ahead. Okay. We can agree with one of two things, right? Ohio state and Michigan are going to play. One of us is going to get in. I think we're going to play, probably win in a Big Ten championship. Ohio State of Michigan gets in. TCU, they got Texas this week and then a Big 12 championship game, but they control their own destiny. That takes up two spots. Oregon or USC? Uh, Oregon's got Washington and Utah left. UC's got UCLA and Notre Dame left, and they both got a Pac-12 championship game. So I think one of them is in, depending on who wins the game. Now, they all play each other. The Pac-12 is pretty wild in the last couple weeks, so we'll see how that pans out. But my point is, I think Ohio State or Michigan takes a spot. I think TCU takes a spot undefeated. I think Oregon or USC takes a spot as a one-loss champion. 
And number four is the part that I want to talk about. Because if LSU beats Georgia, I think Georgia's out completely. I don't think there's any chance they get in period. They're out, just like Tennessee. They'll be a one-loss, non-conference champion, and you will have a two-loss LSU SEC champion. Now, hold on. Before I even get it even farther than this, before you rebuttal, let's not forget Clemson. Clemson has no one left. They have nobody left. They have a cakewalk left. But they could still be a one-loss conference champion at the end of this. So that would give you an undefeated Ohio State or Michigan, an undefeated TCU, a one-loss Oregon or USC champion, and a one-loss or a two-loss SEC champion, and a one-loss Clemson, who's a conference champion. Who is getting in there? All right, so I'm going to start with Clemson first. I think Clemson has played their way out already. Um, <clears throat> I know they started them at four ahead of Michigan. I think that was a little ill-fated, um, putting them that far last week. But it's not just them losing. Now, of course, Notre Dame's ranked now. Um, so I guess that looks like a better loss. But still, I mean, they, they lost embarrassingly there. Uh, they've had issues. They've had close games. They've not looked dominant. They've definitely not passed the eye test. Uh, I think when you compare them against any other one-loss team, regardless if they won their conference championship or not, I don't feel like they're going to get the nod. I really don't. When you want to have that argument about if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, I want you to think about this. In 2016, we lost to Penn State. It was our only loss, and Penn State had two losses but went to the Big Ten championship game and won it. Who got into the college football playoff that year? A two-loss champion in the Big Ten or a one-loss team that did not win the Big Ten? Ah, but this this time is different because you'll have a two-loss SEC champion and a one-loss uh, Clemson who will be a who will be a conference champion. I'm, I'm, I'm taking champion. I'm taking Clemson out of the equation because. But you can't. There'll be am. a one-loss conference champ. You can't take him out of the equation. Listen, they have proven in the past when they've done this that they say that's just part of the equation and they may weigh it heavily. However, that's not the total equation. Just because you win your conference doesn't mean you're in. A la, again, Penn State winning Big Ten with two losses did not get in over a one loss Ohio State who they beat. So okay, I'm telling you, way. they've You're already set about- a precedent for that happening. So there is still a path, yes, that LSU wins out, wins the SEC as a two-loss, and does have a chance to not get in. But if Georgia loses, they're gone. They're out. I, I seriously, uh, I do not think that is there th- couldn't that's be. the case. So well, you mean to tell the, me that you would put in an LSU? You would put in LSU as a two-loss SEC champion, and then keep out of Clemson, who's a one-loss ACC champ, so that means you're keeping out a champion. You'd have to keep out a champion and to put in a one-loss non-conference champion. It happened again in 2015 or no 2016. Way. It did happen in 2016. They can't. There's no way, dude. They couldn't do it. I, I don't think they could do it. I think they could. Not this year. Now, do I think realistically LSU has any chance against Georgia? No. Um, I think that'll play <laughs> itself out. Thing is, though, did you think they had any chance – you know, yes, when they, yeah, when they I mean, we bet it. We tear. did. We bet we thought LSU would beat Alabama. We we bet that on Bravada. Yeah, but that's only because we think Alabama's not as strong this year. Now, I didn't see him coming up here. You know, I mean, I, I guess I didn't see him taking it this far, especially, dude, because everybody keeps talking about LSU. Let's not forget that they have a pretty bad loss on their, their record there. Let's LSU that. LSU lost to Florida State by one point, and LSU also lost by 
several points to Tennessee. Uh, I think the, 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 the wild card here is Tennessee. If you want my opinion, I think a lot of people have written them. I know you say that, but they're the, the team that has played Georgia, potentially the closest, even though they still got beat by 14. Uh, They have the best resume of all teams with one loss right now. Uh, They don't have that glaring loss like Oregon has, but Oregon is getting more benefit for being on an eight game winning streak, you know, averaging over 40 points a game and running through the pac 12 right now, but they still lost to Georgia by 45 points. To like, me, how can you sit way, there and ignore that? The only way that they even get in, somebody, Oregon or USC, the, the Pac-12 has to beat up on each other or TCU has to lose. That's the only way they can get in. Well, uh, okay, so when I say Tennessee's the wild card, that's assuming TCU doesn't win out. If TCU wins out, it's going to be an SEC team, and it is yet to be decided if it's either going to be Georgia or, I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, there is potential for LSU, but... Dude, listen, there's never been a two-loss team that's been in the college football playoff. But my whole and point about this argument— I don't think it's going to happen. Put, they showed you they would because they put LSU number seven in front of UCLA, who's a one-loss team that still has some work to do, in front of Clemson, who's a one-loss team that could still be a conference champion, dude, in front of Old Miss, who still controls their own destiny. You've got all these teams behind them with one loss, but they've put LSU seven, essentially teeing them up just like we talked about Alabama last year. They are teeing them up right here. If they beat Georgia, I'm telling you, they're going to put them in. I feel it. There's potential. I, I can I can see that, but, man, I guess, you know, if I was a betting man and I had to put money on it, if LSU were to win out, I guess I probably would side with, yeah, they're going to go in. But, they've again, they've set a precedent where a two-loss conference champ didn't get in, especially over a one-loss team that they beat. And see, and you know what? Normally and there and that same situ and that same situation would happen. Like I don't see a situation where Georgia's not in the top four. I don't because they're not going to lose any of their last handful of regular season games. And as long as they don't come out and get you know mollywopped in the SEC championship game, listen. The whole point I'm saying is this. Tell me, tell me realistically. Do you see a scenario if Georgia doesn't lose until the SEC championship game? Do you really think they're going to leave Georgia out as highly as they as they view them? No. I think they have to. They don't. I think they have to. There's no way. I don't well, see any all, scenario where Georgia doesn't get in as long as they don't lose a game before the SEC championship game. See, it's going to be the mind, same scenario though, as last year. I can't. I can't in my mind. I cannot do that in my mind because you have conference champions out there with one loss and you have Georgia with one loss and no conference champion. To me, you can't do that. I, I just don't. I don't like that. I, I wouldn't do it. That's me. And if Georgia loses, Tennessee's completely out. I think they're out anyway, but they would definitely be out if Georgia loses. I think Tennessee ha- has needs a lot of help. And they're sitting at number five, but they're in a situation where they can't really climb. I mean, sure, TCU can lose. Um, and I guess they could they could bump up ahead of them, but then you're going to have Oregon, LSU, USC, Clemson behind them that all have potential to climb over top of them. I guess because I just don't they're going to have how... potential for you know a, a championship game. Right. I just don't see how if Ohio State or Michigan wins out, TCU wins out. So that's two spots completely gone, guaranteed. And you've got either Oregon or USC and you've got a two loss uh, SEC champion and possibly a one loss ACC champion there. I don't understand how you would be able to put them in over them. I just don't understand that. Well, I'm seeing the one left out as a one loss Clemson team for sure. I think they made that clear by bumping them back to 10 and just. I mean, use your own eye test. Clemson does not look like a top four team this year. They don't. I'm sorry. 
Now, I know every team, there's not there's not a dominating team this year. I think the most dominant-looking ones over portions of the season has been Georgia and Ohio State. Um, Michigan has had their moments. Um, their schedule's been pretty weak. They've played their tougher matches at home. Um, so it, they still have some to prove, but they've been probably overall the most consistent. Ohio State still has beat every single team by double digits, whether we like it or not with how they performed. They still have the best overall winning margin. And Georgia has the biggest wins and some of the most impressive wins. So realistically, I mean, in my gut, looking now at all these teams, three of the top four that probably should be in it is going to be Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan. Now, of course, Ohio State and Michigan have to play each other. And then goes the argument, if that's a really close game, is there potential for the loser of that game to get in? And based upon what I see, I feel like they're two of the best four teams in the country. However, that's not always the case. They don't always take the best four teams. And I, I mean, the big tens never gotten two teams in and I just don't see it. I, I don't see it out there. If you've got a one loss Michigan, you know, and depending on how it shakes out, you're looking at a one loss Michigan, maybe a one loss Tennessee, um, or maybe even a one loss Georgia. Um, when you're looking at those three things or, you know, God, I don't even know who else could end up with one loss down here, but my point is, you got all these teams in there. I just can't see them bumping them over like a Tennessee or one loss Georgia or somebody like that to get. Well, in. I think I, just, I, I think if it's a ten teams, I think in. if it's a one loss Ohio State team, of course we don't want to see that. But if Ohio State loses that game in a close one, that has more potential to get both teams in than it is if Michigan loses. In my, opinion. I agree. I agree. But I would agree with that because then you're comparing Ohio State one loss to Tennessee one loss, and then you're going to start comparing things like resumes and eye test and all this other stuff. And I think Ohio State's very comparable to Tennessee. However, Ohio State does support a better defense. Uh, Tennessee overall would probably have the better record. Uh, I'm not better record, but better resume. Um, I mean, that you're going to be splitting hairs there, but at least it's going to be a lot closer to pick and choose between those. Um, I think if Michigan loses, that eliminates a chance of two getting in just because of their soft out-of-conference schedule. Um, the fact that, I mean, uh, they, they've they not really played anyone. I mean, their best win still is Penn State, and Penn State sure is a top, what, 15 team now? But, yeah. you know, other than that, and then they played that game at home, and that's a game that realistically, if you watched it, you know, it was close at the half. And they kind of pulled away in the second half. I mean, they, Michigan just did the same thing this weekend against Rutgers. They were losing at halftime 17 to 14 before they pulled away and won 52 to 17. So here's here's another question I got for you. What if Ole Miss wins the SEC? Yeah, and dude, that's another wrench too. I mean, they're sitting there at 11 with one loss, and they need LSU to lose a game though because LSU holds that tiebreaker on that side. But, yeah, that's possible. If LSU were to lose another game and then at the end of the season Ole Miss beats – it's not the end of the season. I think Alabama always plays um, Auburn at the end. But, you know, whatever the case may be, if if Ole Miss wins out and beats Alabama and LSU loses the game, then you have a one-loss Ole Miss team against Georgia. And in that case, if Ole Miss were to win, then they're definitely getting in as a one-loss team. And then, again, we're left in that same boat where, I mean – they, they view LSU better with two losses right now than Ole Miss by, I mean, gosh, four spots. Yeah. And, and dude, that's the most interesting thing to me, too, because at what point is Alabama not a quality win? What if Ole Miss, be, Ole Miss plays Alabama this weekend? What if they beat them? 
You know but then I mean? Alabama has three losses, so all those teams that beat Alabama, it's starting to look less and less impressive too. Exactly. So they beat because you know everybody keeps forgetting Alabama would have three losses, but they almost lost two other games too. So it's not yeah. like they were just fluke, fluke. Fate. This team has looked human all year long, and that's the you know thing. I mean? I mean, they're keeping Alabama in the top ten, and I think there's still that Alabama bias there for and whatever I think reason. Dookie. I think it's I think dookie. for whatever reason, I don't feel like they should be a top ten team. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't have the talent on the field to be a top 10 team, but what they've showed us on the field this year is not a top 10 team. I mean, there's clearly teams behind them, even Clemson with only one loss, Ole Miss, one loss, UCLA, one loss. I mean, hell, North Carolina with one loss. Yeah. And they have a Heisman-style quarterback on their team that's putting up unreal statistical numbers this year. I think it's in really— Drake May. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see— to me, I know this is going to sound weird to everybody out there in football land, but to me, the most intriguing thing of this season is the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is a mess at the top. You, you have, have three teams potential. at eight and one, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It's I mean, you have, UCLA at eight, you have UCLA at eight and one, USC at eight and one, and Oregon at eight and one. And USC and UCLA still have to play. USC still has to play Notre Dame, who's now ranked 20th out of nowhere. So we now have a quality win, thank God. Yeah, right. <laughs> But listen, Notre Dame's playing good football now. Um, USC is going to be hard pressed to get through Notre Dame and UCLA unscathed. If they do, they earn with a better record there to probably continue to move up, and, and potentially you're going to have to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. See, this is where I love this time of year. So many questions, so many opinions, and and I would love to see what happens if there's a Pac-12 champion with one loss that's not named Oregon. Well, USC is going to earn it. If they end up winning it, they're going to earn it because they're going to beat a uh, ranked I was UCLA more team. About, I was more talking about UCLA. Or, or, or the same thing. I mean, UCLA, I, I think their last ranked team is going to be USC until the Pac-12 game, game. But, I mean, if USC beats UCLA, that's a top 12 win. If turn around and beat Notre Dame, that's a top 20 win. And then turns around and beats Oregon, that's a top six win. That's going to be so three ranked this? opponents. USC is going to skyrocket. UCLA wins the Pac-12. You say Pac-12. Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-12. And Clemson wins the ACC. Who's getting in? Pac-12 for sure. Think so? Pac-12 uh, definitely has some very solid teams at the top. Clemson's um, got that name. Like Alabama, they got that yeah, name. But, but Clem- All right, tell, me, tell me the next highest ranked ACC team. Ooh, exactly. The fact that you just no, it's North Carolina and they're at 15. But yeah, I mean, there's North Carolina State seven and two. Um, Florida State's actually just now in the ranking. I think that's the next one. But I mean, ACC, dude, it's weak. The Pac-12 at least has some top heavy teams this year that are quality. And in order to win, you have to go through those teams. That's why I'm interested to see because but Clemson's not going to have any more quality wins. They have a bad loss. And I just, I'm sorry. I don't see a way Clemson gets in the top four. If they went out, I don't, I really don't unless chaos happens. And when I say chaos, I'm talking about the win, the winner of Ohio state, Michigan turning around and losing in the big 10 championship game. I'm talking about, um, Georgia winning it all, knocking all the other sec teams out. That's not really chaotic. That's more probable. Um, TCU losing, um, 
Tennessee losing another game somewhere, LSU losing. I mean, they need Clemson needs a lot of help. They need to win out, and they need a lot of help, in my opinion. I will tell you this. I think a two-loss SEC champion will happen way before two Big Ten teams getting in. Ooh, that's a that's a good little prop bet. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I still don't think a two-loss team is going to get into the playoff. You I, know, I, like I said, Georgia may handle LSU, and then we have none to talk about. And that's, if, and that's if LSU doesn't turn around and drop a game in the next two weeks. And TCU, then if TCU wins this week, or who they got? Texas. They got Texas. If TCU beats Texas this week, dude, they're cakewalking. They're cakewalking the rest of the way. They got nothing to worry about, I don't think. I wouldn't say that. I mean, they've struggled against lesser opponents and had to come back in the second half. I mean, you keep having <sighs> a season like that, you're going to get bit at some point. I just don't see it, man. I, I see them being undefeated if they can get past Texas. Um, like I said, Georgia wins out. They stay undefeated. Ohio State, Michigan, one of the two is getting in. And then I think we'll have a totally different set of stuff to talk about at that point. I mean, obviously, to me, it would be the Pac-12 champion um, at number four there. TCU loses. But, you know, we'll have a whole other set of scenarios to work out. But this this is why I love this stuff, man. There's so yeah, many it, different scenarios. I, I enjoy talking about CFP probably more than anything else because it is so subjective and you can take what the committee kind of gives you on the rankings and I guess try to infer what they're trying to say or mean. And then sometimes they can come out the next week and just completely go against what it seemed like they were trying to infer that time. Uh, I feel like you can see some biases in here. I think some brand names get more preferential treatment than others. Dude, it's it's a blast to talk about, and it's frustrating at the same time, but it, it's fascinating trying to figure out all these pieces. I mean, we, we sit here and do this, but there's going to be, what, four more of these shows to come out, three more of these shows. I mean, they're going to do one next week, they're going to do the week after, and then they're going to do their final one, or one more of the week after that, and then they do their final one after the uh, championship game. So I think there's four more to go. And, dude, mo- more times than not, Every time we go through this, more times than not, it's going to work itself out. Usually, there's only a probable question about the four spots sometimes. I mean, there's even been a couple of years where we already know who the four is going to be, and we're pretty sure we know the order. So I have a feeling, as chaotic as we are talking about all this, it's going to end up working itself out somehow. Now, maybe this is finally the year where there's literally like seven teams eight teams that could be in the top four and maybe only like one or two for sure spots. And you have like, you know, four or five, six teams battling for two other spots. Would that be fascinating to watch? Absolutely. Dude, I'm telling you, if LSU beats Georgia, we have a lot, we're going to have a lot of conversations, a lot of conversations. Dude, I'll be honest. Yeah. Cause then you're looking at a two loss sec champ against a one loss team that is probably viewed as the best team in the country right now. And how do you leave them out? And you'd be leaving two, two one loss sec teams down there potentially you know I mean? and yeah. a one loss Clemson who I know you're not putting any stock in him and I agree they're not passing the eye test but to me they're still going to be a one loss conference champion so I do put some value in that you know what I mean now not enough I don't think they'd beat Georgia I don't think they'd beat Tennessee either one but I'm just saying you know what I mean it would be a weird year to say but aren't you going off the brain name too I mean what if we have a one loss TCU team that wins the big 12 do you view them the same as a one loss Clemson absolutely not a TCU, a one-loss Clemson, and one-loss TCU, they're, yeah. they're about the same to me. Exactly. And we, we feel that if a one-loss TCU is probably not getting in unless chaos happens. Right? A one-loss TCU is not getting in at all, period. So, therefore, a one-loss Clemson's not getting in, period, in my opinion. 
And you basically have agreed with me. Maybe, but Clemson's got the brand name TCU you don't have. That's what I'm saying. Exactly what I'm saying. So early on, there is brand name stuff here, but I think at some point they're going to realize you cannot keep another one-loss team out when you're comparing them to Clemson. You can't. I, uh, I think If that one-loss team is an Ohio State, a Michigan, or a Georgia, you're keeping all three of those be, teams ahead of them. I think it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I think there's – there's potential, dude, for so much chaos here in the next couple of weeks because a lot of these teams have a lot of meat left. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see if someone upsets somebody somewhere how this thing shakes out and what the committee does. Because to me, the most the most bold statement of this whole thing was putting LSU 7. That was the only thing. The top four, I was like, eh. Five and six, I was like, eh. Then I got down to seven. I was like, look what they did. Looky, looky, looky what they did. And it's so convenient that they started LSU at 10 in the first initial rankings, isn't it? It would have been a lot better had LSU been at like 15, won that game, and still been right on the cusp of the top 10. Then we could be like, okay, we can understand if they win it out, there's potential they don't get in. But, dude, you got them at number seven? Yeah, because we all know. We all know one through four, obviously you're in. You know, five, six, seven is is that yellow zone, that little, oh, you know, you're right on the cusp. It means you're on the doorstep. And if anybody gets knocked off ahead, you're moving up and you got a chance to get in. You know, 8, 9, 10, you start getting back into the, you know, most likely not scenario. But my, my point is, dude, the fact that they put them there, to me, that's profound. It's profound. I to agree. Because of what they're setting up. And while it also makes me want to choke somebody completely out, it, it does tell the tale, dude. And that's why I think, you know, once again, man, here we are talking about which SEC teams are going to get in. Honestly, I hope LSU does beat Georgia. I hope to God they beat Georgia, dude, because the conversations that are to come for that are going to be stupendous. I, w- I would definitely like to see that kind of chaos happen, but I also I don't know how confident I'd like for that to happen because in case we need a little bit of leeway, you know, that's leaving the door open for multiple SEC teams. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather just Georgia run through them all so that way we can get one defined SEC team in and leave spots for other people because it annoys the shit out of me when multiple SEC teams continue to get in. Annoys yeah, me true. to no end. Well, all right. Let's we get into, let's, yeah, yeah, let's get into, uh, we got Indiana this weekend. Um, it's a noon game, and we are 40-point favorites. Um, dude, I, I, obviously, I, if things go well, we're that's kind of what we're expecting to see, but, you know, why don't you give me really what you're wanting to see out of this weekend? Improvement uh, and effort. I want to see more effort. I want to see us be tougher on the lines and in the trenches. That's really all I care about. I really don't care if CJ goes out and throws for five touchdowns. I really don't care, you know, if we have three or four turnovers. I I really don't care about that. I think these weeks we need to focus on the things where we're lacking. We know we can throw the ball. You know, we know we can. We're one of the best in the country at doing so. But where we're not the best in the country right now is in the trenches. And I really think that that's where we need to focus. So I'm hoping that – there's some great improvement in the running game and on the and in the trenches. And to be honest, man, there there needs to be some redemption. Ryan Day, I hope to God that this week, man, he was just all up inside everyone in the locker room. Man, that sounded terrible. I just hope that he uh <laughs> dude, you should have heard I heard a podcast. It was Bobby Carpenter. He was on uh oh God. What's what the guy that used to be on Austin Ward on Letterman Row, but he does his own podcast now. And he had him on, and I'm telling you what. There was a portion, and they made fun of themselves too. But Bobby Carpenter's talking about, like, just just 
like handling dudes or whatever it is, you know, but he's talking about, you know, being more physical on the line, but just the way he was talking about this whole thing just sounded like it was taken completely in the wrong context. It's like, I just want this guy to be manhandled or I don't even know. You just have to listen, you know, just, I just want this guy to just, you know, just take this guy to the ground and just give it to him. You ever have one of those seconds where like immediately, like uh, in my mind, I thought nothing, nothing dirty at all. And then as soon as I heard myself said, I was like, that's because we're <laughs> immature as hell. Yeah. That's terrible. That's you because know, we literally have, you know, the humor of a 13 year old. Yeah. We've I, never, I we never grew true. past that age with our humor. No, but anyway, getting back to that, I'm hoping that's what we see. Um, 40 points. Is it possible? Yeah. But I'm telling you, if we see the same team we've seen the last three weeks, I, I, I don't see it, man. I, you know, I don't see it. What's your take? So, um, let me let me at least start with what I'm wanting to see out of this game before I, I kind of give my opinion on the spread and how I think we'll really do is I want to just see them have some fight in them. Um, I want to see and I guess you can say effort, but that's kind of a, a bland statement. Uh, I want to see them dominate a lesser team like they should. And I want to see us not get pushed off the line. I want to see us destroy the will of the other team early in the first half. Um, I want to see us getting up by, you know, 14, 21, 28 points quick and just completely taking over a game. You know, I'm not worried about the final score because there's different ways to get to 40, 54 to 10 or 48 to 14, whatever we think the score may be. That may look like a blowout at the end of the day. Kind of like, you know, this weekend, you know, we won 21 to seven, but really it felt like a tie game the entire game. You know, I want to see, I want it to feel like it should have been 120 to nothing, even though the score may not have shown that because we backed the dogs off. You know, I want that feeling back that we had the first half of the season before, you know, the bye week came because not a single game has felt the same since then. And everything has felt more difficult to come by, and we've needed the defense to help us out. I want to see us firing on all cylinders. I could care less what the uh, end of the score really is, as long as me watching it and the way I'm feeling watching the game makes me feel like we're we're back to what we were. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think Buckeye Nation needs it, dude, at this point. Don't you agree? Well, yeah, I mean... I'm not going to sit here and say we dominate Indiana and everyone just thinks everything's all hunky-dory. But that's a starting point, and that's momentum built because then we have to go on the road to Maryland. And then, of course, the big game in a couple weeks with uh, the team up north. And, you know, if we continue continue to piddle fart around against, you know, lesser opponents over the next couple weeks, I mean, not only is our confidence level not going to be high, but how do you think the guys in the locker room are going to feel? You know? Yeah. I mean, I'll – They need to rebuild back some confidence of their own, you know, so they're coming into that game with a high of this confidence of knowing that they're going to be able to do that. And I feel like the first half of the year, they were really chomping at the bit. Like, can we just get to that Michigan game already? And then it's like these last handful of weeks, it's like there's been this lull and it's just, I don't know if it's looking ahead. I don't know if it's just been situational stuff. I don't know if it's, you know, scheme or effort or injuries or 
bad play calling or a combination of all these or what it is, but something has been off, clearly off for the last three weeks. And I'm hoping it just came to a head this weekend. It was finally a wake up call for the coaches, the staff, the players, everyone involved to be like, okay, guys, this is it. Like we need to get back on track. We need to get back to who I think we can be, who we started the year being and build this momentum back up. So that way, when we get to this team, we have the confidence sky high. Because you do not need to be going into that game with some doubt. And right now, the team has doubt. So we've got to get that out of our system. And I think the only way to do that is to dominate on both sides of the ball this weekend. That's my biggest thing. You are Ohio State. You are 9-0. and You control your own destiny in the college football playoffs. you got a chance at some gold pants here in a couple weeks. A chance at a Big Ten championship ring. A chance at a national championship ring. And it's all within the next couple of weeks here. Or the next two months if you're talking about the college football playoffs. But my point is, man, it does it get any better than that? As a kid doing this, as a kid playing college football, does it get any better than that? To me, you should be wanting to rip everybody's head off and giving 110% on every single freaking play, dude. This is it. This is what you work your whole life for right now. Right. Right now. Because, yeah, 1% of these kids are going to go to the NFL. But you know what? The other 99% of these kids, you know, this is what they're going to remember. This is it. And that's why I just don't understand. Maybe they're just not as passionate as I am. But, dude, I can't see needing any motivation to do anything like that ever. I mean, I I think we're, we're pretty clear what we need to see. And I feel like in a way we've Ohio State all over again and as the repeat has kind of gotten our manhood challenged again. Yeah. And I think at this point we've seen enough this season to know they're capable. Last year definitely were not capable. Um, I don't think it was fixable last year. But this year it's definitely – Fixable because we've seen it in a handful of games. Um, it's just whether or not they can get back to that style of play, to that commitment, in my opinion. So I do think it is fixable, the issues we've seen. Um, I think Indiana is a good opponent to do that against. Um, Indiana has definitely struggled offensively over the last handful of games. I know they got a lot of second and third stringers in there due to injuries or uh, players not playing well. Um I mean, gosh, last game, uh, Penn State went to Indiana and beat them, what, 45 to 10 or something like that. So, I mean, by every sense of the the stretch of the imagination, we should be coming out and dominating this team. And that's the thing is we have to absolutely have to. I think it's important. It's not about winning this weekend. I mean, sure, that's the ultimate goal, but we have to do it convincingly. We have to do it not only for, I guess, you know, just – the way people view us, but they have to do it for their own, you know, to convince themselves of their, you know, you want to see what I'm saying, right? It's hard to yeah. put that into words, but they need to do it for themselves. They need to come out and dominate this thing to kind of build their, build themselves back up. Yep. So, I agree. So let's go ahead and give a score prediction for this week. Um, I'm gonna let you go first. Oh man. Because we definitely were way off for that Northwestern one. I mean, I think my 62 to 14 was uh, a little off. I'm going to say, and I thought about this a lot, I'm going to go 42, 17 bucks. Okay, so you're, are you not giving the defense enough credit, or do you think that we're going to get people out and they're going to score, score some garbage stuff on us? Um, I think it's going to be one of those games where 28 to 35 points are scored in the first half. And then maybe we'll score another touchdown or kick another field goal or something in the second half. Maybe it may be even a little bit more than that, but I'm going to say 42. Oops, 42, 17. 
Okay. Now I'll be honest, me personally, um, forty-two seventeen. Unless I were to just phys- you know, physically see them dominating first half, I probably wouldn't be that pleased with that score against Indiana. Um, I still think it's a good score. I mean, that's a twenty-five point margin. Um, that's nowhere near the. I mean, the spread's forty. Uh, I feel like we should over really over dominate this team. Um, I'm at fifty-six to ten. And I'll be honest, if it's not somewhere close to that, unless I see something different with my eyes um, that shows they were dominant and the score was less than that, I, w- I probably won't be very happy, to be honest. I mean, I think this has got to be a turnaround game, in my opinion. I think we need to come out guns a-blazing, uh, run with your hair on fire. I mean, you know, I'm hoping to tackles. eat some crow. Yeah. I'm hoping I to mean, eat some crow. I really am. That's what, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm hoping to see. I don't know how they'll come out, but I mean – the spread's 40, so... That's I mean, a that's huge a, spread. Man. It is, dude. It, it is. It's a big spread, man. But I think it's I think it's realistic. You know, I really do. Um, I hope that we do come out with our hair on fire and, and put up some points and the defense plays well. So uh, let's wrap up with our prop bets. Uh, you did go 2-1 and one last week. That's your first winning week, so <laughs> that's a bonus for you. Yeah. Uh, our overall record is at 11 for me and seven for you. So it's within four points. It's still within reach with, uh, three weeks to go. And remember, uh, the loser at the end of the season will have to do something. And that will be based upon our fans and our listeners. So probably within the next week or two, we're going to go ahead and start posting, uh, some stuff on our Facebook page. Um, trying to figure out, you know, what exactly we're going to do. We may leave it up for a fan poll question on uh, what the loser has to do at the end of the season, but um, it'll be something pretty fun, pretty uh, embarrassing, hopefully. Yeah, Um, I'm sure it will be. Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, our three prop bets for this week was, will we cover the 40-point spread? Will we score, or will we have 200 yards of rushing overall as a team? And who will have more receiving yards, Ibuka or Harrison? So I decided that we will cover the 40-point spread. Chad does not think we do. Um, I am the one that says I think we have over 200 yards of rushing this weekend. Chad says we are under. And I'm going to go with Ibuka coming back after a bad couple games and getting back on track and having more yards than Harrison. So Chad takes Harrison, I take Ibuka. And those are our three pop bets for this week. So if you follow along with us, make sure you're keeping an eye on those stats. And I don't know, anything else you want to add, Chad, before nope. we sign off? Well, just thanks to everybody. Uh, this is episode 50. So, I mean, it's it's not really a milestone, but it kind of is. So, you know, thanks to everybody out there that's that's put up with us for 50, you know, averaging about an hour an episode for 50 hours. I mean, that's a long time. My wife can't deal with me for like 10 minutes. So 50 hours is a long time. And we appreciate you. We hope we listen. You listen, you know, for 50 more or 150 more, however long this thing goes. But I just wanted to uh, express that I'm I'm very thankful for the people that do take the time to to hang with us every week and and talk about some Ohio State football. Yeah, right on, man. Definitely, we appreciate it. I know we're getting uh, a lot more listeners this year, uh, a lot more interaction. Um, it, it's definitely appreciated. I mean, we initially got into this just because it was something we wanted to do, but you know kind of more of the more we start seeing the engagement that we're getting and the people we're reaching, you know, it really feels awesome to us that, you know, people like the content that we're putting out there. So we, we super appreciate it. And I want to give one more uh, thanks out again to uh, John Converse, one of our buddies that helps us out with uh, 
posting some uh, pictures and some information on our page. He's uh, super helpful with some of our interaction on our Facebook page. So uh, thanks, John Converse, for that. And as always, guys, you can catch all of our episodes on all major streaming services. We're on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. So um, go ahead and search us again, Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. Um, listen to us wherever, uh, whenever you want to. Um, we have all kinds of episodes. If you ever want to go back and check out old episodes, and we do even actually have a couple of video episodes on YouTube. Uh, they're from the past year. Not sure if we're going to move more in that direction anymore or not, but there's still potential. But if you want to check those out, you are more than welcome to. But again, thanks everyone for listening. And until next week, go Bucks. Oh, H.